Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. edition of the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva, here on this Sunday, December the 18th. Of course, you can check out the show live, like tonight, or on replay at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's doing well. About a week before Christmas, a couple of weeks before the new year, the final Talking Mets podcast of 2016, provided that nothing big happens over the next couple of weeks, but I will not be broadcasting on the next two Sundays as, uh, of course, the holidays will prevent that. A little break. Uh, It's possible that there'll be some news with uh, Jay Bruce potentially getting traded, maybe, um, you know, potentially a bullpen signing. But right now it looks like um, until the Bruce situation gets resolved, nothing's going to happen with the Mets. But we'll get that to that tonight. Of course, I'll be listening to what you have to say at 646-716-8187. Start taking calls in about 10 minutes or so. And I brought back and I figured I'd end the 2016 podcasting year. Season was over. By doing another live show, The first the comments from the first show uh, were great. Feedback was great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, you know, I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't sure how something like this was going to go over 
with the community, and we had a lot of great calls. We had some funny calls. We had some uh, uh, individuals who made some great points. We had some fun, and I want to do that again. So, again, the number is 646-716-8187. Now, I know that there's not a ton going on in the Mets universe, but I wanted to throw a couple of fun things out that maybe will at least, when the phone lines light up, and they're starting to light up already, so you don't want to wait. You know, the wait shouldn't be too long, but uh, 646-716-8187. I want a couple of different things. If it, and you certainly make your comments. So whatever you have planned on talking about the Mets, you can talk about whatever you want. But the first thing I used to do when I had NYBaseballDigest.com, and when we when I really got that site rocking and rolling, was uh, to do the the New York Baseball Person or Man of the Year. I know politically correct, you go Person of the Year, and I would put up four or five individuals or events or things like that, and and I'd have the fans vote on it. Then I'd give what the fans wanted, my thoughts. Things like that. Now, similar to Time Magazine Man of the Year, it's not necessarily for the MVP or the individual who had the best season. So we'll do that for the Mets tonight. The Man of the Year for the Mets is the individual, in your opinion, for good, bad, or indifferent, made the most news in 2016, had an impact. And although everybody's going to say Cespedes, and that would be a great choice because in 2016 he signed twice. He signed with the Mets in January. He signed with the Mets in November. He's had an impact on the team both on the field and at the gate and, and potentially going forward over the next four years. But there are other options out there, and I'm going to give you who I think my man of the year is or my news story of the year. So I want to hear who you think that individual should be. I want to hear who or what you want under your Mets Christmas tree or holiday tree, depending on your denomination, faith, or what you celebrate. What would you like to see Sandy Alderson do, if not over the next couple of weeks into 2017? What would you like to see him uh, give you for, for uh, the holiday season? We'll see what, uh, what some of the thoughts you guys have. Again, 646-716-8187. Again, I'll get to you guys in just a couple of minutes. Hang on. I, I know there's a couple of people online already, so hang on. I will get to you. I do want to uh, set this up with a couple of things, in my opinion, the Mets, um, there's been some concerns about the lack of activity. And, oh, now Jay Bruce and his $13 million salary is really holding up the Mets for making moves. That is a problem. However, I started to really take a step back and look at the bullpen market because right now that's the only market that I believe they're going to go in and maybe sign somebody. I don't know what kind of deal they're willing to do, certainly multi-year deals because of the lack of success they've had with that over the last couple of times they did that. Bestardo, DJ Carrasco. Doesn't sound like that's the direction the Mets want to go, regardless of the payroll situation and Bruce's $13 million. There are The long and short of it is there are a number of right-handed relievers that the Mets could hang on and probably wait till January to sign. I mean, the name that I keep going back to that I don't know what his market would be. He made $5 million last year. And I know they were interested in him at the deadline as Joe Smith. Joe Smith, to me, is more of a situational reliever against right-handed uh, batters. He was during his first tenure here with the Mets. I know he, he's evolved a little bit since then, but to me, that is a situational guy. Another name that is probably you could wait for, maybe get at even more of a reduced value, is Peter Moylan. Used to pitch for the Braves with Kansas City uh, last year. Neftali Feliz is out there. 
um, David Hernandez. I know Greg Holland is somebody that everybody would like to see. But again, that guy like that, anybody, and you saw that with Ziegler when he signed with the Marlins, a guy who wants to close is going to get a deal to close. Why would you take a deal to be the setup guy, especially on one year, when your value and your, and your price for closing is so much higher? I see some of the San Francisco relievers, Santiago Casilla, Sergio Romo. I'm not sure how excited I am with that. Either of those names, they'll sound very Hansel or Robles-like. Jim Henderson, I know they let him off the 40-man, but you could bring him back on a minor league deal. So there's some names out there, uh, out there, and if you go to MLB Trade Rumors, you'll see a number of the right-handed relievers. Now, the lefty situation, that's different. You're really down to about four quality lefties. So if the Mets don't want to go with Smoker, Edgen, that ilk, you have Jerry Blevins, who right now, with all the three-year deals being taken, Mike Dunn, not a bad reliever, but Mike Dunn, not exactly a stud, getting a three-year deal. You, don't, you can't see why Jerry Blevins and maybe, I know, Boone Logan, who's not great against righties, why they wouldn't get three-year deals. Now, Javier Lopez and J.P. Howell are older. That's probably more what the Mets are looking for year-to-year with a lefty. That will be interesting to see how that develops. They may have to j- pounce on that market soon because I could see that drying up. It is interesting, though, that Blevins hasn't signed, which makes you wonder if he wants to come back and if the Mets have discussed with him the need to kind of move Bruce I know at MetsMorizedOnline.com, there was, again, another post earlier today about the potential of the Mets revisiting. Now that the Orioles have pulled the Mark Trumbo deal, the uh, Bruce for uh, uh, Brock deal, I like Brock. I brought up Brock's name a couple of weeks ago. Came from San Diego. The or- you know, he's, he's only making a million bucks. He's under control for a few more years. Uh, it would require the Orioles to take on a significant amount of dollars with the almost like the trade-off with Bruce for Brock. But if that's the best you're going to get and you're going to dump the $13 million on Bruce, uh, I think that's a pretty good deal. And I think Brock would be a good arm, better than anything that's out there on the free agent market right now. So that's where I'm at. I don't think everybody should panic. Nobody has won a World Series or a division in December, despite the fact that everybody's going gaga about the Nationals and the Cubs and so on and so forth. Second thing, so before I get to the phone lines, and I do want to get into Bud Selig later. I'll, I'll bring that up later on. I'll, I'll save that for later because it, it's something's really annoyed me, and I know it's not Mets-centric, but I'll talk about Selig later. My man of the year or Mets person of the year, I'm going to say it's David Wright, and here's why. Because David Wright, at this point, is almost a, a bit of a tragedy because his body is breaking down at a time where he could just fit right into this Mets lineup and, and not have to shoulder the burden now that Cespedes is here. Something that was debated and talked about for so many years when the Delgados and the Beltrons were moving out and it was really becoming Wright's team, Wright's lineup. Not only that, with the money owed, the $20 million, we don't know if Wright's ever going to play again. Is he going to retire Insurance does pick a lot of that, 75% I've heard or so up. So you're looking at about $15, $16 million of potential income the Mets have to spend if they wanted to in order to uh, offset right if he doesn't play. Now, if he plays, you've got yourself a $20 million, in my opinion, platoon player, a guy who could probably hit left-handed pitching, probably can't play every day, probably can't catch up with some of the top arms out there and is really 
and, and I don't know how he's going to heal from this surgery, but is a defensive liability at third base, especially with the arm. That, to me, is the story of 2016, because going forward, this could become clumsy and awkward. If Wright doesn't want to retire and there's something left, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't even know if there's a guy who could play off the bench. Not only that, Terry Collins has shown that he will go with the veteran to, the, to their detriment, especially guys that he's managed over the course of his tenure here. And I know it's not necessarily apples to apples, but Bobby Parnell, think about Bobby Parnell in 2015. The guy showed you had nothing, and Collins ran him out there, and he actually cost them a game late in 2015 that uh, potentially, while they were fighting for home field with the Dodgers, uh, could have been a problem. I mean, I know home field is in, in baseball isn't like the NBA, but Bobby Parnell, a game against Philadelphia in Philadelphia late in the year, I think blew a game at some point, and he blew games earlier in the season when he came back, even when things were going well. But Collins kept going to him until he realized, and they pulled him off the postseason roster, there was nothing there. Now, David Wright could be that person. You know, if he's struggling out there, if he's not hitting and Collins keeps running him out there and, worse yet, puts him in the middle of the lineup, that could be a big deal. That could be detrimental to the team. So this is a big story. That's why it's my man or person of the year. And that's why I voted for David Wright. Now, I want to hear what you guys have to say. The number is uh, 646-716-8187. I'm going to take a quick break. One of the things that – and I'll get to the calls right after the break. Uh, we got some, uh, some individuals on hold. One of the things I will do throughout the program, as I will be on air, if the calls warrant it, until about uh, 8.30, if we warrant it. Last time we almost – we did. So that, that's something to, um, to keep, in, uh, keep in mind. Um, I will stay on the air, try to take a little bit more calls. If the calls dry up, if the show's not going anywhere, we'll see how this goes. Maybe we'll end it a little bit early. I know there's not a ton going on. So anyway, but what I'll do is I'll splice in some highlights. Nothing really from a logical standpoint, just some highlights or some moments in 2016 that I remember that were kind of fun, all positive uh, to make up the 2016 New York Mets. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. It is the live edition of the Talking Mets podcast. So as we wrap up 2016, call in 646-716-8187. Send me a tweet, Mike Silva Media, if you like, and uh, you can listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be right back. And Syndergaard hits one in the air to deep right center. Back goes Queen to the warning track. Back at the wall. It's out of here! Noah Syndergaard's second Major League home run! Cologne opened the floodgates on Saturday night, and the Mets pitchers have been storming with the bats ever since. Syndergaard's first hit of the season, he gives himself in the Mets a 1-0 lead. And the Mets have two aboard for Syndergaard, who hit a bomb his first time up. 2-2, and he swings and flies one to deep center field. Back goes Peterson, near the wall, it's out of here! Noah Syndergaard with his second home run of the night, a three-run shot! Hello, Walt Terrell. <laughs> Syndergaard with a two-home run game. He matches the crazy crab, and the Mets lead it 4-2. to two. We're back. Talking Mets podcast, the final show of the year, taking calls 646 646- 
716-8187. And we're going to kick it off here. And uh, 631, we got uh, a Long Islander, 9899 is uh, the last four digits. Give me your name. Uh, and obviously, you're from Suffolk County. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hello? Hello. How are Hello? you? You're on with Mike Silva. Hello? Hi, this is, hi, this is Michael Reese from Long Island. How you doing? Good. How are you? Hope you have a nice holiday season. Same to you. What's on your mind, man? I'll give you my man of the year. How about Bartolo Colon? That home run was legendary. I, you know, and you're giving away a little uh, teaser there. I have that highlight later on in the program. That is, and I see how uh, some individuals are still on Twitter pretty unhappy that Bart left. But for $12.5 million, Me too. I don't really know if the Mets could justify, especially with the payroll situation. Even with the, without a payroll situation, that's a that's an awful lot for someone who's probably or potentially not going to be in the rotation at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Right. One guy I want to see the Mets get is that Brad Barkai from the Orioles. I was looking up the pilots earlier. He's pretty good. Him, Reed, familiar back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I mean, what do you think? Love it. I uh, I brought his name up. Uh, the other name I had brought up, uh, and I know he was a scrap heap guy, for lack of a better word, that the Blue Jays took in the Rule 5, uh, was uh, Joe Biagiano. But, uh, yeah, Brad Brock is somebody that I definitely uh, – I would do the deal. At this point, it seems that Bruce's market – is just not developing. And maybe it's because there's still a glut of power hitters out there. Maybe a lot of teams saw what Mets fans saw, which is once he got out of Cincinnati, which is a notoriously hitter's ballpark, he struggled. Uh, I, I think it's a little unfair to judge him on six or seven weeks. I was never a big Jay Bruce guy. I was okay with the deal. He's got power. The Mets needed offense. It didn't seem like they were going to give up a lot. I, I, I didn't want them to give up Dilson Herrera. I thought it would maybe be a situation where because they had the option, and I don't think the Reds really wanted the payroll. Uh, I don't think they wanted to pick up the salary. They could get away with maybe a low-level player. So I thought Herrera, who I liked, who I wanted to see, or maybe be part of a package uh, for somebody a little bit better. But um, look, I, they took a chance. At the end of the day, I don't think that's going to kill the Mets. And... Um, you know, and I, I would go for the Brock deal. Yeah, I, I agree. The numbers are there, and he's only making a million bucks. And here's the most important part. He's controllable until 2019, and you don't know. I mean, Addison Reed is, is, is on his last year here. Addison Reed will probably uh, leave via free agency for a closer gig after the year. Maybe the Mets, I mean, depending on the familiar situation and how he does. Forget about the domestic violence and the suspension and all that. You just don't know what uh, what to think of, uh, of Familia after the postseason. I personally don't feel that Familia is a problem. I mean, the guy saved 50 games. I understand what happened in the World Series. I've, I've said this a billion times. If you listen every week, you probably heard it, but I'll say it again. The World Series was kind of freaky. Short of the Alex Gordon home run, that stuff happens. The Connor Gillespie thing. I think the Mets bullpen was overused to a point where you could see maybe they were on fumes or Familia was on fumes a little bit. It just Familia was off, I thought, from the start. I go back to the preparation and, and really I don't want to hear about being uh, overused in uh, uh, the prior year of pitching late into the season. I want to uh, bring up, and by the way, call in the number 646-716-8187. like to hear from you. Uh, like I said, we'll see where this goes, how many calls we get. I, I plan to be here till 830 doing this live show. 
we'll see how this works. We had a great response, like I said, that Thursday night winter meeting show. Let's see how this goes. I'm going to go back. I was going back to some of the mailbox, which I did not get to during the last program. And Dwight Manning uh, you know, emailed me after the program, and he, and he brought up a good, good point, and I wanted to discuss it briefly here. And um, Dwight's question essentially was, uh, what were the Mets' plans with Nimmo? And Dwight said he may not even make the team this year, but do they still see him as a future contributor? Do other teams see him as someone that is worth giving up something useful for? Uh, Dwight says, I just get the feeling he will not be he will not get enough leash to prove himself to the Mets. I like the kid. He put up some good at-bats together down the stretch for uh, the Mets last year. I, I will personally tell you this. I don't know, and, and Nimmo was a bit of a stretch. I mean, I, they, 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 they drafted him based on tools or what they saw. He, he, does, he comes from an area where there's no major leaguers, and uh, they saw tools. They liked the on-base. I'm sure they liked the baseball acumen and things like that. He, he's got energy. You could tell he's a good kid. But somebody in minor league baseball that I know had spoken to Wally Backman last year who felt he was not a center fielder. I didn't get the feeling he was all that great in the corners. He's not really showing any power. And for me, your, your corner outfielders, your outfielders in general, they're not going to play center field. They're not going to give you defense in center field. You almost have to uh, uh, have power. And I don't see that with Nimmo. Nimmo's really profiling to me. And I know it's too soon. He's young as a backup, energy guy, guy who could sub in. I did not see somebody that other teams would say, that's the guy I think I could bring in. And, you know, he's going to be the centerpiece of a deal. If he were, Jonathan Lucroy would be with the Mets. Because they didn't see Darno as that. So to answer Dwight, um, I don't think anyone's overly excited about Nimmo now. Does that mean he's useless? No. I mean, and I could be wrong. He's still young. He certainly has a good attitude. He's left-handed, which doesn't really help you with, um, with this club. He's got so many left-handed bats. I mean, you know, when you think about it, with Bruce here and with uh, Granderson and, uh, and Duda, uh, you know, you got the switch hitters in, 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 uh, in Reyes and so forth. You need more right-handed bats than left-handed bats. So to me, that's, uh, that's where I stand on Nimmo. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. Uh, feel free to call in. like to hear from you. I have some other mailbag questions that I'll get to. I do want to get to, I said, as I was uh, showing in the open, I'd mentioned uh, Bud Selig. And I know this isn't a Mets-centric thing, but I, I had to bring it up because – I saw that if you if you all remember, and you certainly probably do, Wallace Matthews, who writes for New York Sports Day now, and uh, the same publication online site that our, our buddy Rich Mancuso was on the program a couple of weeks ago writes for, had said he's giving up his Hall of Fame vote because of Seelig's uh, election into the Hall of Fame, the connection with steroids. And if Wallace wants to do that, I have no problem with it. I know he's been getting torched on Twitter. I don't agree with it. I think the writers make too much of the steroid stuff. That's not the point. This is not to bash Wallace Matthews. What amazes me is that everybody that's talked about Bud Selig and the problem they have with Bud Selig getting elected in the Hall of Fame for steroids never brings up that Bud Selig, along with Jerry Reisendorf, but it was really Bud Selig that spearheaded 
the collusion of the 80s that cost the owners $280 million led to eventually the work stoppage of 94 and the the cancellation of the World Series, but also work stoppages in 1990, a short brief one in 1985, players like Tim Raines, Jack Morris, many players who were free agents during those years could not get offers. If you all remember, here was Tim Raines. You couldn't get a single offer on the market, wound up uh, sitting out the first month of the year because in those days, if you weren't signed by a specific date, you couldn't play the first month of the season. You had to wait till May 1st. Who figured out why that was the case? Again, probably to force players to take the contract and take away leverage and negotiation. And uh, you think about $280 million, and I have talked to former players, and it took a while for the players that, that, that were entitled to that money to get it. And yet, look, guys still made very good money in the 80s. However, there's a lot of guys making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 playing baseball. Again, 1980s money, uh, it's probably at that point a lot of you who were around and working, were like, I wish I made that in the 1980s. But there are guys that still have to work today. I know a former Met that I'm friendly with that sells beer and wine. And, you know, he's not bitter about it. But this is a guy who played quite a few years with the Mets and won a championship with them. So you say to yourself, he's just a regular guy like you and I. So what bothers me, and I will get to the phone lines because I know we have some people on hold, is that nobody ever says the reason I don't like that guy or I don't want him in the Hall of Fame is because he took away the right to earn, which is, is in a capitalist free society like this country, from the players. Because everybody looks at the players as these overpaid, wealthy commodities they take the owner's side when it's the owners who are the most uh, obtuse part of this whole equation. They're the guys who are trying to stifle salaries. Now they're paying for it on the back end, and they've paid for it, and now it's, it's, that's not the case. Salaries have well exceeded a certain point. But always remember something like this with Bud Selig and guys like that. Anytime you get angry about players making money, remember, and you all who are listening, I know this is not a Mets thing, but I wanted to get this off my chest before I forgot. You all listen contribute to a pool of revenue whether it's you going to the games, whether you're uh, purchasing equipment, whatever it is that's MLB-related, the app, when you put money into uh, MLB advanced media, you're putting into a pool of money that the players are entitled to. The owners are, but the players are. So when you say the players should make less, do you want the owners to take a bigger portion of that salary? Do you want to honor the legacy of a commissioner that pretty much was on an oil field and stepped in in 1994 after a coup against the commissioner, a guy that was hell-bent on keeping salaries down. And that's where I want to see the first member of the media. And they ne- nobody ever says it. The reason I don't, I, I'm upset with Bud Selig making the Hall of Fame is because he took money out of the players' pockets. I haven't heard that yet. Anyway, let's get to the phone lines. Looks like we got uh, New Jersey 732. 8281 is the last four digits. What's your name and uh, where in New Jersey are you from? Hey Mike, it's Chris from uh, Nutley, uh, Vitamin CM on the uh, site. Thank um, you for calling. My, you're welcome. Uh, for my Player of the Year, uh, mo- I'm going to go with the second half anyway. Estrubal Cabrera, how tough he was Good down one. the stretch. I mean, he definitely put up the best offensive numbers down the stretch, including Cespedes. And the toughness that that guy showed was tougher than any Met I've seen in quite a while, so uh, he's my guy. And that home run against the Phillies 
the three-run homer to win the game overlooked a little bit, but they don't make the playoffs without that win. Yeah, he, he so, really uh, – he was A lot of people forget about that game. Yeah, that's the kind of play yeah. they need. What would you like to see under your Mets holiday tree or Christmas tree, whatever it be? I mean, I'd, I'd really like to see another – reliever or even move a couple pieces around and get another bat, maybe a speed guy or, or something. But um, I think they're still going to struggle to score runs this year, no matter what. I think you're right on that. I think it, well, here's the thing. If Duda comes back to form and Cespedes is Cespedes, and let's assume Granderson is in, is in, uh, I guess we'll say Granderson in center, Conforto, right? If Conforto goes and becomes, I'm not saying Conforto hits 330 and, and, and what they think he could be, but if he becomes the Conforto that you saw more in 2015, uh, Reyes gives you typically, I think, what you think you're going to get. And Cabrera, I mean, there may be a bit of a drop-off, but let's say it's not too drastic. It's not a terrible offense. The problem, I think, um, uh, is, is it's home-run-centric. And those kind of teams, and I forgot Neil Walker and all this, those kind of teams can be very feast or famine. But let's face it, the Mets pitchers, do what you expect them to do. You put up one crooked number uh, in a game, and I mean you, you're in good shape, right? Three, four run inning. Think about that. No, I, I agree. I think if I could wish for one thing for Christmas, it would be better than average health for the Mets. Cannot cannot complain about that. Well, well, thanks for the call. Happy holidays. Appreciate you uh, popping on. Thank you for the kind words in the comments section and. Uh, Continue to listen, and I appreciate uh, everything you guys do. Already, that was uh, our buddy Vitamin over there at uh, uh, Metsmorized Online. To answer, um, there was a question in the comments section. I am scrolling at this time. Yes, I will. If you want to put a question in the comments section and you rather not call in, I'm okay with that. But I do want you to call in the number six four six seven one six. 8187. Don't be nervous. I don't bite. The guy who should be nervous is me. I'm putting myself out here live for people to ridicule me, which I did get my first negative feedback in the comments section about the sound quality of the show, which I guess to a certain degree I understand. Now, remember one thing, and I will just want to explain it. I'm using what's called a Yeti Blue microphone. It's a pretty good microphone, but I'm on a service called Blog Talk Radio, which is basically voice over IP. So I'm never going to sound like radio. Um, I, I cannot, because I'm not pre-recording it, clean up whatever issues Blog Talk may have that night. Again, it's, this is basically conference call technology to make a podcast. So sometimes those little things that I clean up when it isn't live, I can't do. But I'll continue to look for – I mean I do have better equipment, a mixer and things like that. That takes a lot to set up. And for what we're doing, the sound quality, again, because you're using the same – Service is not going to get exponentially better, but I'll continue to listen and try to make improvements, and if you don't like the sound quality, I apologize. Um, I'm not sitting in a 50,000 square, 50,000 watt studio uh, you know, here, and I, I've worked on in radio, so I know the sound quality differences, and I'm not going to get all that uh, – I'm not going to get that all that technical from a, 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 a sound quality uh, uh, type of situation. And again, the number is 646-716. One, eight, seven. Give me a call if you like. And uh, I do have. Let me go to the mailbag here. I had an interesting mailbag 
from uh, Joe D last time. So okay, so here's a mailbag. I don't. It's from Anthony. So I don't know who Anthony is. I know it's from Anthony. And Anthony's question or comment is: Assuming Harvey's healthy and pitching well in 2017, do you expect him to be traded by next off season, heading into the 2018 season, or perhaps at the 2017 trade deadline? If so, what type of return could the Mets expect? Prospect package only, young talent. Can you foresee another starting pitcher being dealt? I'm going to take that into two parts. And what's bothered me for a long time, especially with Mets fans, and maybe I'm just using this subset on Twitter, but I listen not as much to talk radio on WFAN. I try to listen to MLB Network Radio, NBA Radio. I try to stay away from local talk radio because it's just not all that good anymore. There's such a willingness at all various points of the last few years to trade pitchers away, and at times capriciously. Even when Dylan G and Jonathan Neese were part of the rotation. I know you're all like, oh, Dylan G and Jonathan Neese, why is he bringing them up? I always liked Dylan G. I thought he was a solid arm. I'm not saying he was a stud, but he was exactly what you wanted out of a fifth starter. He had moxie. I personally met him. And um, I thought he was a good guy, and I liked him when I had a chance to interview him. Jonathan Neese was aggravating and frustrating because I think he could have been even better. And ironically, Andy Martino, uh, not one of my favorite members of the media, no longer at the Daily News, was bringing up or or talking about how the fact that during the R.A. Dickey negotiations with Toronto in 2012, how the Mets could have gotten the same package for Neese. And he was going back to the point he made at that time – that, that was a bad move that the Mets should have pushed Nice instead of Dickey. And that's just silly because I liked R.A. Dickey. I know that the, his, he rubbed his teammates the wrong way because it became a lot about him and the clubhouse. I'm not going to get into all that because I don't know who's right, who's wrong. It doesn't really matter. And that is true. That is a fact. There was, some, there was a large contingent of, the, of members of the clubhouse who weren't fans of Dickey. Dickey was a guy that had a career year. They put, picked off the scrap heap wanted to make a lot of money, was entitled to it, and the team was still very much close to the Madoff situation, so they had a young lefty, I think he was 26 at the time, niece, under control. So that, that's a little sidebar, but that is, that is um, uh, uh, why I disagree with Martino. That deal was the right deal. You trade Dickey in that situation. Why Toronto gave up so much? Mets, Mets gain Toronto's loss. But everybody, and the, the main point is, is that fans are so intent on just giving away pitchers or, or trading pitchers. Like when before Syndergaard and Mats and everybody came up, they just like, well, when Syndergaard and Mats come up, you could just get rid of Nice and, and G. And I was like, guys, slow down. You don't know what these guys are going to be. And I keep saying it, and guys, anytime you want to trade a pitcher, whether it's Harvey, and I'll get to what I think about Harvey, or Gazelman or Lugo, or Wheeler, remember something. You're going to need eight starting pitchers this year, at least. You're probably going to need nine or ten with double headers and things like that. Do you want, in September, to revisit 2007, where guys like Brian Lawrence and Philip Humber, who never developed, guys like that are making starts for the Mets? Because... When the Mets had guys like Gazelman and Lugo, who are legit prospects, it turns out to be, pretty good six, seven, and eight. A lot of teams don't have that. You start pecking away from that depth, unless you're really putting together a package for something special. 
And I don't know what the Mets are going to get special out there. I don't think there's a special hit. I mean, you talk about maybe McCutcheon and things of that that nature. That's one thing. But when you bring in a McCutcheon and then you, you rob your pitching depth, the last thing I remember, especially for the 2007-2008 Mets, was not offense that was the problem. It was getting people out. So, you know, keep that in mind. But I digress. So with Harvey is this. Can I see the Mets trading Harvey midseason this year? No. The only time I could see that happen is if they were out of the race and they were floundering and he was having a really good year and it was a chance to recalibrate in some way. If the Mets are having a really bad year, either everybody went south, the injury situation happened, or it's an extreme. I cannot see the Mets having an awful year. This is a good team. I think Harvey is a guy that if he gets healthy – at the end of this year coming up, and he's done well, depending on how things go, I could see them trading them in the offseason. I wonder if there's a little luster off of Harvey because of the health issues, although the Rastic Outlet Syndrome isn't the end of the world. Remember, this is a guy as, as recent as last November, pitched dominantly in Game 5 of the World Series. It's a year ago. I mean, sometimes the, the people sit around and act like the guy hasn't been good for five years. Has he been a disappointment because he hasn't stayed on the field? Yeah, that's disappointing. But be careful about trading. Look, the goal is to win a championship here, and they have a window. And sometimes we like to play fantasy baseball moogle more than we like to win championships. So to me, and I know with the new collective bargaining agreement, the, 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 the compensation with um, with free agents may not be as lucrative, so – there is a desire to make a deal. To me, you ride this Harvey thing out as long as you can. Now, all bets are off if you're not in the race or things turn sour and ugly and things of that nature. So that, that's something to, to think about a little bit. So, again, the number is 646-716-8187. I'm going to take a quick break, give you another highlight from the 2016 season. We're going to scour the comments in, uh, in the uh, MetsmerizedOnline.com thread. Give me a question, a comment, anything you, you want. Let me know who your man or person of the year is. I'd be curious to hear from you, and I would love to have you call in. And by the way, I did see that you guys – I'm not trying to give out your number. Um, but maybe if there's a lady list and you do want your number given out. I'm just trying to get you – I just don't have the process of having a, a screener. So I give you the last four digits and the area code. I mean I guess somebody could figure out the other three, but – does it really matter? But anyway, I don't want to give out your number, and if you don't want me to – maybe I'll do the last two digits. I'll, I'll figure things out. Anyway, you're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We're wrapping up the 2016 uh, season or year and uh, Talking Mets baseball here on this uh, cold, wintry uh, New York weekend. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. We'll be – And familiar's save streak is squarely on the line. Base was loaded, nobody out. Matt Caesar coming up. One, two, coming. And he nubs one down to first. Roy coming home with it, gets the out there, and that's all. And he grounds one down to third. Ray of course, to second. Walker on to first. In the third. Scooped out by Lodi, and the ball game is over. What an escape by Jerry Familia, and the Mets win the game two to one. Unbelievable ninth inning.
We're back. Talking Mets podcast uh, live uh, call-in show, 646-716-8187. Scouring the comments here. Putty, a Granderson supporter is his handle, and uh, he talks about some bench upgrades and uh, brings up Kelly Johnson. I like Kelly Johnson. Uh, I think that that would would be nice to see him come back. I'm not sure... Again, with this 40-man roster, and I really should bring up the Mets 40-man roster here while we're on it because I'm not going to remember everything. I think the 40-man roster situation is is really a part of the problem. I mean, you had to protect guys like Nitto and so on and so forth, and, and I think that, that creates somewhat of a problem for uh, guys like Kelly Johnson. But uh, it seems like the Mets are pretty content with what they have, I think Reyes uh, moving into somewhat of a utility role probably takes some of that away from Kelly Johnson. I think Kelly Johnson's a guy who actually I thought defensively played pretty well. He has that power that you need, left-handed power. He was making progress uh, under Kevin Long, and he's versatile. And I know that's something that a lot of uh, members of the Mets organization like and want from uh, from players going forward. So I personally think that the way the Mets are going to go because of the 40-man roster situation, which, by the way, give Michael Mayer, who does a great job covering the minors, credit. Back in the summer, he brought this up. Because if you're going to sign a couple of relievers, now, Bruce, trade for reliever, that's one for one. But if you want to sign another reliever like a Blevins, you need to find room. And there isn't any room right now. So how can you... I mean, Kelly Johnson's not going to come in on a minor league deal. I cannot see that. And, and it's possible, it's funny, that the Braves will wind up taking him back because the Braves are making some moves to act as a contender. I think they liked what they saw out of their offense late in the year. They're moving into the new ballpark. They figure they bring some veterans in, uh, and they take the, uh, the next progressive step towards uh, becoming a viable team. So I don't – I mean, other than some guys on minor league deals, I don't see the Mets doing much. What I did find interesting, uh, speaking of a guy that, that thought might have gotten non-tendered, I don't know if you guys uh, picked up on it, but um, Noah Syndergaard went out of his way to say that he was happy to see Rene Rivera back. Think about that. Here's Travis Darno, top pick, been traded in big trades twice, was on the precipice of becoming a pretty decent starting catcher. I mean, some people were comparing him to Piazza. And and to me, you know, I'm looking at that and uh, I'm like, guys, calm down. And here's the star or ace of the staff talking about Rene Rivera, who's a journeyman catch-and-throw guy. Think about that. How much of an indictment is that? On Travis Darno. Just think about that. And that was a guy that just a couple of weeks ago, there was speculation that he'd be cut from the 40 man roster. They wouldn't offer, they wanted a non tender because they didn't want to pay the money and they kept them on. Think about that. Let's go to the phone lines here 646 716 8187 914. The last uh, four digits is 8557. You're on the air with Mike Silva. What's your name? Where are you from? Hey, Mike, how you doing? This is uh, Monix from Mesmerized Online. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Mike, my Mets man of the year is uh, Daniel Murphy for making all the Herrera fans look like idiots. <laughs> oh, by the way, Mike, I like the smell of my own farts. I'm glad. You, that's, that's, that's great. How do they smell? Do they have a strawberry smell to them? 
No, they smell a little bit like my mom's cooking because I still live with her. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Thanks for the call. That was a funny one. Listen, that you guys, by the way, you guys have to remember one thing. Let's see Daniel Murphy repeat. And and I didn't know where that was going, so I did. And I apologize for cutting you off, but I didn't know where he was, where you, uh, where you were going with that. So hopefully you were going to be nice, but I was getting a little nervous. If you had something else to say, you could call in. But if Daniel Murphy's your person of the year, man of the year, that's not a crazy. In all fairness, that's not a crazy situation because it's about the most newsworthy scenario, and that was a newsworthy thing. Now, that he signed last year after the World Series 2015, but that was a, a year-long, I think, agita for Mets fans because he was in the division. He was playing at an MVP level. It was a bat they could have used with, with the fact that, that, that David Wright now can't really – well, you're not counting on him to play third base. Murphy would have looked really good at third. Murphy would have looked really good at first, and due to his absence, they wouldn't have had to go out and get Loney. I'll tell you one thing, though. That last highlight with Familia warming out of the jam, Daniel Murphy doesn't turn that double play like uh, Neil Walker did. But I'm glad your sm- farts smell well. They smell like your mom's cooking. You live with your mom. Uh, I don't know. I know we have some individuals on the hold. I'll get to you. I did want to go to Indian Dynamite had a, a comment. I'm trying to surf through this and talk. So, guys, if you put a question or comment that you want me to read, try to hit it up again at the top because the comments are coming quick. Um, what do you think Justin Wilson would cost? I believe he's a great guy to pick up. Low, uh, low I guess low uh, by low, depending on how Detroit views him. Let me look up Justin uh, Wilson. So Justin Wilson, formerly the Yankees, there's been some talk about the Tigers wanting to – Purge, and you listen to the the uh, Avila on uh, Sirius XM radio, and then you hear, well, we're, we're also trying to we're also trying to uh, compete. So sometimes you get conflicting things. You know, hey, I got to put Justin Wilson Tigers because apparently there's a chef named Justin Wilson. As I'm trying to bring him up. Uh, my profile, guys. Let me make it simple with bullpen arms. And I mean, this is obvious. This is Captain Obvious comment here, but. I'm a guy who doesn't just look for guys who throw hard. I want guys who don't walk a lot of guys. I do like the strikeout per nine inning. Um, somebody who keeps the ball in the ballpark. One of my favorite relievers was a guy named Chad Bradford. You guys will know him I'm, uh, vividly, I'm sure. Situational guy against righties, but he kept the ball down, and, he, and, he, and it was hard to elevate. They gave him a lot of ground balls. You know, you want guys who are going to throw strikes out of the bullpen. Now, Justin Wilson is a guy that uh, – at times has had uh, trouble with his command, but he really uh, came out of that and had a decent year with Detroit. Uh, he was a league average pitcher. Um, you know, he throws lefty. I, the problem I have with this is that he's arbitration eligible. He's not going to be a free agent for three years. He's lefty. Those guys are going to cost a bit. And when you have guys like Jerry Blevins and Boone Logan and to, to a lesser degree, J.P. Howell and Javier Lopez, why wouldn't you just spend money and sign them. Why give up an asset? I just don't want to give up a lot of assets. And, um, you know, that, that to me, uh, uh, that to me is, is part of it. Let me, um, let me go to New Jersey. Uh, 201 is the area code 3524. You're on the air with Mike Silva. How are you? What's your name and where are you from? This is, uh, Greg of Boken and I'm from Boken. Hey, I got a, what's a big, going on? big shout out to, uh, all my friends at Matt's Templar. <laughs> Good stuff. What do you got for me? 
Uh, I'd like to hear your opinion about uh, Zach Wheeler and whether, A, you think he should be brought back kind of eased into a bullpen role. And let's just say he does that and he actually excels or does fairly well. Is, is he in the bullpen as a stopgap, or is he, uh, is he eventually rerouted back to the rotation? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the call on that, and I appreciate you calling in. Well, I said this on the last show. My issue from the day that Zach Wheeler and Carlos Beltran was traded for Zach Wheeler, which I'm not complaining about that trade. The Mets got themselves a high-end asset. My problem with Zach Wheeler is I think his mechanics are bad. And if you ever had a chance, and I had a chance to go to – um, listen to Rick Peterson talk over formerly Bloomberg Sports used to have uh, kind of some things that uh, proprietary as well as public programs that were help front offices collect data and make decisions. And I don't know where that went. I think they sold that that aspect of that business because I don't I don't think it exists anymore. But I digress. But Rick Peterson went through kind of a quick tutorial about how to look at video from a novice amateur standpoint and assess someone's mechanics. And, and he brought up, I think, Jake Peavy as having really bad mechanics. Is someone a, a, basically the inverted, uh, the inverted arm scenario, uh, you know, being late. You guys have probably all seen it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Zach Wheeler has that. Now, it's cleaned up a little bit from when, if you looked at video, from when he was in the minors with San Francisco. But at some point, I said, the guy's going to come in. He's going to have the need for Tommy John surgery. I always felt he was a guy that was going to be, and he almost reminded me a little like Sid Fernandez. He'd give you two or three good starts, and he'd give you a stinker. He'd have those days he couldn't throw strikes. So I've never been huge as, or, or as optimistic about Zach Wheeler as maybe others. It was always Harvey I thought was far superior, and I never put Zach Wheeler on the same playing uh, ground. And I wouldn't put him on the same playing ground as, as DeGrom and Matt. And, and I wonder if Gazelman is better. I like Gazelman a lot. What I would say about Wheeler is what I told uh, a caller the last time we did the show. If putting him in the bullpen is to get him back to the big league, because he's been out for two years, keep him in the bullpen. Don't do this you know, easing in 90 days, 120 days, and then go back in the rotation. You might need a bullpen piece. Maybe that's his future. Um, that doesn't mean he can never be a starter again. But to me, don't do what you did with Jabba Chamberlain. And you like say, well, you're going to be in the bullpen until July 1st, then you're going to go to Vegas, and you're going to spend three weeks in there, and we're going to ease you back into rotation. You're contending. That's rebuilding BS. I'm not going to curse, even though I can, because this is a, a, a family-rated uh, show. That's that, that's, that, that's that BS. That's what you do when you're not a contender. You put him in the bullpen because you think he could be effective and help the team win. If he pitches well in spring training and he beats somebody out for the fifth starter job, then that's a different story. I think he should compete for a spot in the rotation. He should compete with Gazelman. I mean, you're assuming that Harvey, Syndergaard, DeGrom, Mats are healthy. That's four. You don't have Cologne anymore. Right now, you don't have a veteran that's clogging things up there. So then you got Gazelman. That's five. You got Wheeler. That's six. You got Lugo. That's seven. So seven guys competing for five spots. Two are out. May the best guy win, in my opinion. Now, I'm probably leaving out, maybe there's some other veterans they'll bring in and what have you. But simplistically, that's the way it goes. So I would say, first step, compete for a job. You don't make the job, you're in the bullpen. You're in the bullpen for a reason, and then see where that goes. If he's struggling in the bullpen, and he was bad trying to, in spring training, winning a, a spot in the rotation, then you have a decision to make. 
Because then it's, then it's become a, 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 maybe you go back down to Vegas. But now we're really taking it many, many uh, uh, steps forward. So, you know, that, that's, just the way, um, that's just the way I think. So anyway, that's, um, that's part of it. All right, let me take a quick break. If you guys want, um, put a comment on the thread. Uh, call in the number 646-716-8187. I wish I could check Twitter. I got a lot of things going on here. I'm trying not to have awkward periods of silence. I'm trying to do a lot of different things. Um, it's almost 8 o'clock. It's about 10 to 8. I'm going to stay on for a little while longer. Let's see if you guys want to call in. I'll see what kind of comments come in, and then we'll wrap up. Again, this is the final podcast of 2016. I like this. I like the fact that we can, and maybe what we'll do is I'll talk to Joe D. Maybe if you guys who don't want to call in want to send him some questions he can give them to me in advance so then I can matriculate them into the whole situation. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizeOnline.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be right back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. Alone looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes up then! Back near the wall! It's out of here! Bartolo has done it! The impossible has happened! The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot, his first career home run, and there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. (laughs) This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. Talking Mets podcast, Mike Silva here, uh, almost 8 o'clock. Uh, Going to continue to read some comments. Looks like I got some comments out there and go to the phone lines again. 646-716-8187. And you didn't think I was going to do the whole show without giving you a Bartolo ho- a Cologne highlight. You want to know something real quick before I get to my next call. I was looking at Chris Sale's stats the last two years, and I know you guys are going to think I'm totally crazy saying this. And I was going to try to call in to MLB uh, Network Radio uh, with Phillips and Hollinsworth because they were they were at the winter meetings, but they weren't taking calls during the winter meetings. Chris Sale's ERA Plus is, I think, the last two years was 114 in 2015 and 120 in 20, 
16. Those are good, but those are not the level you expect from a Chris Sale. Strikeout rate dropped a little bit last year. Now, he could have been unhappy, bad team. But when you talk about ERA plus, and I know that's not the exact, exactly productive way to measure a pitcher, but it puts in a ranking. A guy like Bartolo Colon is right there uh, last year with a guy like Chris Sale. Um, now, that doesn't mean I'm saying Chris Sale and Bartolo Colon is, is good. But when you talk about Sale coming to the Red Sox, and when these trades are made or if the Nationals had re- acquired him, sometimes you don't know what you're getting. There's a reason why. Think about this. There's a reason why the White Sox, I know they got a great package, but a guy like that who's under control, even in a rebuilding situation, they were very eager to move him, and it makes you wonder why. Just something to think about. But when you talk about ERA plus and ranking players from 1 to 50, starting pitchers, guys who are eligible for the ERA title, Chris Sale's not in the top 10. That was something interesting that I, you know, I looked at when I was dive, diving into the numbers. All right. Let's go out to New Jersey, uh, 732 is the area code, 6374, last four digits. What's your name? And uh, you're on the air with Mike Silva. Timothy Fritt. Oh, so, Timothy, nice to have you back. Are you um, are you bringing the papers again this time? Yeah. What's I up? I got a question for you. Should the Mets sign Neftali Feliz from the Pirates and trade Jay Bruce and Robert Zellman to the Rangers for Shinsu Chu? Um, well, those, you know, and thanks for the call. That's actually a more, no, I think the trades he gave last time were kind of out there. Uh, well, the first one, Naftali Feliz, I could see where you're going. He's one of, I have a list here. I'm going to give you the list of right-handers that I wrote down real quick before the show. Uh, I mentioned Casilla, Naftali Feliz was on there, Greg Holland, guys, David Hernandez, Peter Moylan, Joe Nathan I threw in there, Sergio Romo, Joe Smith. Uh, Feliz is someone that had a good year in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know what he wants. I would certainly not give him a multi-year deal. And, um, you know, that's a name that I certainly have on the list. So that's not a bad situation. Now, I know the Mets wanted Sinshu Chu, but first of all, again, and I think he said Gazelman, why am I trading a pitcher? And um, is, is Chu a guy they really need now? Do they need an outfielder? I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, I liked your first one. The second one was was was... I mean, I guess out of the box, but you know, I don't know if that's the direction I would go. At least you, you, you know, you weren't nervous this time. You weren't rustling the papers, so that's a, that's a, you know, uh, something to uh, to, uh, to to take, I guess, from from the call. Let me go to Mike um, in the comment section. Uh, he wrote, um, "Here's his question: Terry has a habit of playing some veteran scrub over a young yet more promising player. Examples: Ruben Tejada over Wilmer." Deaza over Conforto, Loney over Flores. Does he do that again with Conforto in 17? Sandy expressed desire for Conforto to play pretty much all the time versus right-handers and most lefties. Does he rein Terry in and his horrible judgment in for once this year? Well, in talking to – and he was on the show. You talked to Seth Everett, who covered the Mets. Uh, he had the Wayne Randazzo role back in 20 – was it 14 or 15? I can't quite remember when Seth was there. It might have been 2014. And when I talk to Seth, both on the air and off the air, the front office is very involved in the lineup. The front office is very involved with who plays and who doesn't. And um, it, knowing that, I think that answers your question. If they want him to play every day, he's going to play every day. Now, baseball is a meritocracy. And if Conforto, again, looks like he's lost in the forest, they're not 
they're not um, they're not going to just play him because they want to develop. Again, that's the point. This is not about development. This is about winning. Conforto to me though needs to at least get the first. And I'm going to bring a great. Here's a great example. He's got to get the first you know eight weeks to to, to kind of play himself here. Into a, you can't just bench him because he's hitting 182 after 10 days of the season. I mean, the players got to play themselves into hitting, so to speak. But if you guys remember, and some of you might be too young to remember, but Greg Jeffries came up late '88, had a huge last uh, six weeks, played himself into a starting role, contributed in the postseason, was basically handed the second base job in 1989. And got off to a horrible start. I think he was hitting below the Mendoza line in June. And during that period when he was struggling, especially because he struggled pretty much from opening day on forward, there were so many calls to a, a, new, a new sports talk station called WFAN about sending Jeffries down. And people were like, well, how can you do that? I mean, you know, he's Jeffries and, and he's the future. And the comparison was, well, Mickey Mantle got sent down. That was, that's always the old adage, Mickey Mantle got sent down. And the Mets didn't send Jeffries down. He wound up beginning to hit later that year. Then he wound up having a decent 1990. Part of Jeffries where it's not totally applicable to Conforto is that Jeffries' issue was, and he, I think he's come out and said that in some articles in the recent years, is that he wasn't really comfortable at second. He was more of a third baseman. You had Howard Johnson there. He also had issues in the clubhouse. But maybe it would have been good for Jeffries if they were going to put him out of position defensively to send him down to the minor leagues to get his feel for that position. I mean, for crying out loud, if Daniel Murphy could play second, you had to think at some point Greg Jeffries would have been more than adequate. And I don't think he was all that bad. And I, I'm going by my memory. He wasn't great, but I think everybody picked on him because uh, a, a little bit. But, uh, you know, it goes back to Conforto. Conforto needs to be given a little bit of rope here. I don't think he should be in center field. I'd put Conforto on right. I'd put Cespedes in left. I think you got Granderson in center, although I know I cringe a little bit on that. See, I, I still can't see Conforto as a center fielder. I know he played better than expected. I just can't see it. And I already get people saying, don't compare Conforto. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying Conforto's a bust. And Jeffries wasn't a bust. Jeffries did well once he left New York. I mean, he won a batting title, I think, in St. Louis. What are you, like 340? I think if Jeffries had played a position he was comfortable at, in an, in an environment that was supportive, which the Mets were not, I think you would have saw a different player. But I'm not comparing them. I'm comparing the scenarios and the situations where they let Jeffries play through it. They got to let Conforto. Now, if they, at the time that Conforto was was struggling, the Mets weren't hitting as a team. That made it a little bit harder to carry his bat. But does Terry have – and, you know, Mike, you made a great point. Terry does lean on veterans a lot, and I brought that up. I brought it up about how I'm concerned about David Wright. I think he'll, he'll go to the gauntlet with David Wright. I think we'll be having conversations on this podcast on MetsamorizedOnline.com at some point where people are going to say Wright's killing the Mets, either defensively where he refuses to take him out for defense late, he still hits him in the middle of the lineup. I mean, if Terry Collins really believes that David Wright's going to play 130 games this year, he's, he's, on, he's on jugs. 
Now, I know he's saying that to motivate and show support. He's playing the whole player-manager gig. That's his job. He does it well. He does it well, and he's done it in a way where it, it hasn't – I think sometimes it's, it's, it's given them a pass. I can't argue with the results the last couple of years. But David Wright, that's going to be a big conversation. But So that's, that's who Terry is, and I, and I think you're right. I think he's going to play some veterans over young guys. I mean, Loney, that was a defensive situation. I think Flores is right now profiles as a, um, as a platoon player. You know, that's, that's to me. And I don't think Flores is a shortstop. I thought Tejada was a better shortstop than Flores. I did not like Flores as a shortstop. I don't think he could play the position. I'm not saying it's effort. So I agree with your comment, but I also think there were some examples in there. By the way, they say CJM is going to give the Mets man of the year to Terry Collins. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, he was a – that's – that's not a bad one because he, he was a big topic. I mean, he's a big topic with me. I, I, I don't want him here. I think the Mets could do so much better. Look, I'll, I'll be totally transparent. I wanted Wally Backman to manage the match. I think you guys would see such a difference if he was behind the, uh, behind the bench. Such a difference. Forget all the crap you hear from the media about the off the field and Wally's an idiot. Wally knows baseball. And I'll tell you, I know for a fact there was some some you know I had some I was privy to some things that Colin, uh, excuse me Wally said about both the Mets and Collins uh, about a month before he resigned, and I could tell you there there were things that he said that I agreed with, and I'm not going to get into that because you know what Wally's out there and, and deserves a chance to get a job and not have some stuff out there, and even though this is a humble podcast here and. You know, people think, uh, you know, in this world of media that I'm making stuff up. But I could tell you that Wally was very critical of some of the things that were going on at the big league level. Probably why he resigned and probably why he wasn't liked. But he never came out publicly with it. It was more one-on-one. He talked about it. So that was why I'm not a big Terry Collins fan because I think the Mets had a better manager down below. I think the pitching coach, Frank Viola, is better than the guy they have now. But um, I guess we're going to see and, and we'll see what 2017 brings out there. So... But Terry Collins, man of the year, I, I can't really uh, – uh, I can't complain. Let's see who else uh, we have here. There was somebody that I, I want to make sure uh, – I just saw it. It was Keith Hernandez as the Mets man of the year. And uh, t- uh, Someone already disagreed with – okay, Big Norg, Mets man of the year has to be Keith Hernandez. That man's marketing team is on point. All I see is gold coins on my TV. <laughs> I'll always remember. I still think I, I laugh because uh, – I remember, I think it was the 2005 World Series, 2006 maybe, where one of the local stations called Keith in from his home to do some commentary. And there's Keith like in front of the fire making his commentary. I'm like Here it is. They brought the analysis to Keith's home. I mean how many analysts can get away with sitting in front of their fire either out in Sag Harbor where he lives – or uh, you know, out down in Florida, but he's probably Sag Harbor because he had the fire going, and he's talking about baseball. I'm like, only Keith could get away with that. I'm really looking forward to that memoir coming out. By the way, I really am. I think that uh, it'll be interesting. I think he's a fascinating guy. I think there's a lot we don't know about Keith, and uh, he's the Mets version of Phil Rizzuto. That booth is awesome. It's not the same because you don't have three of them together all the time, and Darling has national aspirations. And I always wonder, is there going to be a day that Darling goes national and leaves the booth? Or is he going to do what McCarver does? And McCarver would have been 
the Mets broadcaster, you know, until they got rid of him and he did the national. I don't know. I wonder how that's going to work if he outgrows that position because he seems to have aspirations above and beyond what they got there. So, and then it'll be interesting because the Mets bring in David Cohn with Keith. Could you imagine stealing Cohn from the Yankees, bringing him in with Cohen and Keith, and having Cohn and and, uh, and Keith talking about the uh, some stuff going on. More callers, you say. I need callers. 646-716-8187. You guys have been more inclined to send comments in. So I was a little surprised we had more callers last time. That's okay. I mean, if you'd rather just put a comment in, I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. Let's see what uh, more callers everyone say. Grand, okay, Hashbury wants Granderson as the man of the year. Um, I, yeah, I mean, Granderson had some big hits down the stretch. So that's not, I mean, that's not who I would go with. But this is what I like about the man of the year so far from both the callers and, and on the comments. Nobody went with the obvious, which was Cespedes. That's good. You guys are thinking. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We got 908, and the last four digits is 3027. What's your name and where are you from? Hey, this is uh, Andrew from Jersey. How you doing, Mike? Great show. Hey, Andrew. What's up? So I'm thinking the, uh, the man of the year is Addison Reed. I thought Reed, I thought Reed had a great year. He helped us. He helped us say. Uh, help, uh, he helped us get out. Uh, get out of a lot of big, a uh, big jams. And he, and, he, and he did great in the wild card game. And I just thought he he was great all year. He he was very he was very consistent. And I thought and I thought that he should have been an all star. I thought Reed was very under the radar this year. So that's some. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Who? What do you? What would you like to see under your Mets holiday tree? Well, uh, someone to depend to help to help uh, to help Reed out. Um, hopefully a lefty, and hopefully Bruce gets traded. So that's my big wish list. Hopefully Sandy can hold off. Oh, but nothing major. Thanks for the. Yeah. Thanks. Have, thanks. Have a great night. Great show. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that, Andy. Well, and Addison Reed. That's out of the box thought. I mean, Addison Reed. When he when the Mets acquired him, I knew he had some talent, uh, but he was a bit of a kerosene on the fire type of guy. And uh, if you remember, when they required him, he could never – and he still has trouble when he comes in with runners on base. But he was lights out. He finally fulfilled his potential. He was essentially a second closer. And, uh, I mean, he was awesome. He had an ERA plus over 200 last year, a 1.97 ERA. At one point, everybody was talking about Andrew Miller and Dylan Batanzas and Chapman. And I got to tell you, Aston Reed was right up there with them. Now, I don't know if that's – you know – Finally, him bringing it together. I know I saw some criticism of me saying Viola is better than Worthen. I really don't want to get into the whole Worthen thing today, but I'll bring up my, a lot of issues with Worthen. I don't think Worthen's all that great, but um, I, yeah, I guess you got to give him some credit because Reed came over here. But to me, Reed, I am I would not be surprised if Reed takes over for Familia. Familia suspended forty games and is doing so well. How would you take him out of that role? Mejia lost his closer job when he got uh, suspended. And then he came back and he got suspended again. But he, would have, he was not going to be the closer again. Now, that's not Terry's M.O., but if Reed is really, really good, how do you put Familia back? So, that's an interesting thing, way to, to look at it. 646-716-8187. Uh, Putty, a Granderson supporter again. 
uh, brought up could Lucas do to be the man of the year? His return date was always a big storyline, and unfortunately came way too late. True, uh, you know, I thought Loney did a nice job. The, um, you know, defensively, I think he, he he did a nice job. I think he was, you know, obviously he wasn't the the greatest offensive player. He had a couple of moments. I think I think Duda with Flores spotting him against tough lefties, that's a pretty good tandem if they're healthy. I mean, that's a tandem if you think about it. Let's just say Flores. He's not going to hit every home run as a first baseman, but if he hits about 15 to 20 home runs and half of them at first base, you could get 30, 35 home runs combined out of your first base uh, position. That's pretty good. I can't, uh, I, I can't, I can't really argue with that. So that I'll, I'll, I'll take. You know that that that's in something interesting. But due to man of the year, you guys are coming up with some real creative stuff. Uh, let me continue. Let me go to the comments section. Again, if you want to give me a call, 646-716-8187. I'll stay on for another 20 minutes. 830 is uh, – I'll stay on for the whole time. You know, let's let's do that. Uh, DK of Gotham. I think Thor gets man of the year. He took the pitching staff and ran with it. It's safe to say he's the new bulldog of the staff. I 110% agree. Speaking of bulldog, I don't know if you guys follow Ahmed Rosario, but uh, there's a guy that – portrays himself as a ball player, portrays a lot of confidence on Twitter, wants to be in New York. You're hearing some things about Sandy Alderson. Uh, I think he was talking about them trying to get some versatility to Rosario. He's playing short now, maybe be able to play second and third. That's a big, seems like it's a, that's a big thing in baseball, and that's a good thing. But it's also something that I think the Mets are focused on. And I know that probably 2018 is when they were more focused on Rosario being brought up. But I would not be surprised to see him, especially if you get any kind of Reyes or Wright or Cabrera injury. You're going to need somebody. You figure he spends starts out in Vegas, and you know if he if he rips up Vegas, there's everybody's going to do well in Vegas. But there's doing well in Vegas, and then there's destroying Vegas. Big leaguers and legit big leaguers destroy Vegas. Look at what Conforto did when he got brought down. Look at what Darno did when he went down briefly. They're going to destroy Vegas. And eventually, if Rosario is who they think he is, he's going to destroy that league. See, Dilson Herrera never destroyed Vegas. He was pretty good. That's always where I got my little bit of... I liked him, and I didn't want to just give him away, because I think they stole a really good prospect in the Marlon Bird deal. But he never really showed me that he was... Because at 800 OPS in Vegas, I mean, Ty Kelly was at one point like, leading the league, so that's something to it. So that was just a little sidebar there regarding Rosario, but yeah, Syndergaard is the bulldog, and I think that that's important. He wants that 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 role. He um, he takes a little bit of heat off of Harvey coming back. It makes Harvey a little bit of a more of a storyline. And here's the thing: I think that because of the egos of a Syndergaard and the ego of a Harvey, and I, I know Degrom has too, but you know, Gazelman seems to be a Type A personality in there. Uh, you know, Matt's is a little more laid back, but he's a perfectionist. You know, you got a lot of guys that they're going to push each other because everybody's going to want to be the man. And look, in baseball, that's fine because in baseball, you're pushing yourself to do better than the next guy. It's an individualistic sport. That's a good thing. To answer the question, LV Mets, yes, uh, this is going to be available in about an hour to an hour and a half after um, – the show ends. There's a link on this thread that you guys are making comments in. You can listen to the whole show. So hopefully um, hopefully that's something that um, 
that you guys uh, will t- partake in. I know an hour and a half. Listen, the inter- interesting thing is this, and maybe you want to throw me some feedback in the comments section or give me a call or, or whatever you want to be. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. Do you like our hour and a half? I Typically, during the year, I try to keep these to no more than an hour. I've done some that were 30 minutes, 35. The Cespedes one, Rich Camp Mancuso, was only 30 minutes. Do you like the longer ones? See, to me, with podcasting, because I, I, I tend to spend a lot of time in my car, I don't want a 45-minute to an hour podcast because I'm, I'm replacing my radio shows with those podcasts. I love the vertical. I love what Adrian Wojnarowski is doing at the vertical. So if you're an NBA fan or a basketball fan, check out the vertical. Seth Davis has a nice podcast, too. Um, you know, Baseball-wise, I think that baseball-wise, I prefer MLB Network Radio. I haven't found a really good vertical-level baseball podcast. I think the problem is, is that the podcasts that tend to be popular are too statistically inclined, and I like more conversation. I like more implementing numbers into conversation, which I try to do here. And um, you know, I used to be very in the dark about advanced statistics. I remember when I started in my baseball digest. I don't know if you guys remember that site or, or were on that site. It got its following. At one point, it was pretty popular, and the reason I, I stopped, it was multifaceted, which I won't get into, but it really brought me into the dimension of statistics, and I was able to incorporate it after really starting out as a, a very anecdotal type of type of writer. So anyway, yes, LV Mets, you'll be able to listen to this later on, and I'll do more of this. I mean, I'm not going to do it every week. I did this again because at the end of the year, and I thought the last one went really well, and um, it seems like we've got more comments than calls, but that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Again, um, 646-716-8187. Repeat, uh, Mike, 3 million paid attendance, over, under. Well, here's the deal on that, repeat. Um, the team is rocking and rolling and playing well. I think you'll see them get very engaged, the fan base, and show up. I don't think the fans were overly enthused by middle June this year. And this is what's been interesting. The last two times the Mets have had good runs, 2006 and then 2015, the attendance the following year really didn't match what I thought the expectations would be. Like the fans really were bored into that. Like 2006, the way it ended, took so much out of them. And it just, there was no energy. And the Mets were playing well for the good, better part of eight, nine weeks to start the year. And then they had that little stretch where they were basically a mediocre team, and then it all fell apart. Uh, but they were headed to the playoffs. And I felt a little bit of that this year in 2016, almost like there was a malaise. Now, it could be the way that they were playing, where it was a lot, basically an inning where they scored three, four runs, and they put it away. But that's the kind of team they're going to be. They're going to pitch well. They're going to have a crooked number inning. You're hoping that the bullpen stays strong with Reed and Familia and whoever else they bring in. And it's, it's, it's very businesslike. It, you know, 2006 was like really exciting because you scored all the runs. You had the the Reyes and Delgado and Beltran and Wright and all this stuff. So, um, so that that to me is, is part of it. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under. And and the only other reason I'll say repeat under. And he just said Angels at three million plus fifteen straight years. Well, I mean, you know, it's a good point. But I mean, New Yorkers. I mean, the weather is a big difference. You're comparing the 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 Angels weather to the New York weather. Um. You know, personally, I enjoy watching the games at home more than I like going. That's me. But that's just me, you know. So, um, 
I know you love attendance talk. I'm going to take the under. That's my take because I just think that I think between weather, um, unless they really have like a you know that magic season, I think people will just wait. But they should. Look, the Mets fans showed up in the wild card game and they were loud. So maybe it's just it's a matter of getting excited over something. One of my first comments I made in the first podcast was the innocent climbs over. The only thing left to do is win a championship. You guys aren't going to get excited about a division win that's happened. The wild cards happened. They, we want we want a championship. You you that's that's what else is there? If the Mets make the playoffs next year and get to the to, uh, NLCS and they lose, it's a good season. But you're still going to feel unfulfilled because it's not new anymore. 2015 was good, but it ruined everything because all the jumps happened in one shot. And they should have won that championship. And I saw some Collins uh, defenders in the comments, and Collins is the reason they lost the World Series. But I'm not going to get into that right now. The professor, uh, over-under, he wanted a quick over-under. Again, you know, you got another 10 minutes, 646-716-8187 if you want to call in. Uh, over on the number ratings, Harvey Matt Wheeler pitching 333 innings. You know what, Professor? I have to think about that. I want to take a quick one-minute break. Let me think about that and get you an answer right after this. And Cabrera hit it in a deep right field. Back goes Borges near the wall. It's out of here! Out of here! As Drupal Cabrera wins it for New York! A three-run walk-off home run! On a night of comebacks as Drupal Cabrera provides the final jump as the Mets leapfrog to a 9-8 victory. We're back. So another great moment from the 2016 season. I think I just have one more. I think I've done one or two more. Um, all right. Um, here's the deal. So you're asking me 333. I was thinking about Harvey, Matt's Wheeler. There's no chance they get to 333 because Wheeler, I think, is, ne- is going to be out of the bullpen. Harvey, if he's healthy, he'll do about 180, 190. is going to come nowhere close to that. I think Matt's is, I think Matt's is a guy that's going to be a six-inning pitcher. I think he's going to go really good for six innings, you know, maybe seven. So I'm going to say under. I think severe under. You know, I, I thought about it for a minute because I was saying, all right, let me do the math. I didn't want to just commit, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't think those guys are going to do. Um, I don't think uh, those guys are going to do 333 again. Um, 646-716-8187. I'm scrolling. Um, I'm scrolling through um, the the uh, the comments here. It looks like the attendance talk now has become a um, big conversation here. Well, I mean, you know, and they're talking about the attendance again. I mean, I've always felt that the Mets fans show up when it counts, but they really get into malaise. But even Yankees fans have gotten into malaise with that. Maybe it's the oversaturation of this stuff. Like, think about it. Back in the 80s and 90s, to get your fix, you really had to go to the game. I could watch a game on my phone. Highlights whatever I want. I mean, what's better? You get home from work, you eat some dinner, you watch the game. In between innings, you go take the dog out and listen to it on your, you know, your, your app. You could get up and buy food that's better probably food than what you're going to get at the stadium for far less. If the game craps out on you, it's a 
crappy game with his rain delay. You could switch over to your DVR. You don't have to pay for parking. So part of it I don't really disagree with. I mean, that's ultimately going to be the the future of the game is how do they get people to the ballpark, and that's how you see what they do. They make all these other side amusements, so it's not just about baseball. David Newman, I remember meeting with David Newman, uh, who's in the, the Mets marketing department, and many times he used to use the analogy, like unlike Coke and Pepsi who guarantee the consumer the experience of their product, he can't guarantee the experience of the product, so you've got to have other things around there. So, you know, that to me is um, is essentially what it comes down to. You cannot guarantee a good product that night. You can't guarantee that you're going to have a good time. Sometimes you've had, I just had some rotten nights at the ballpark. Your team loses a tough game. You walk out of there. It's amazing. Something that you are 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 programmed to put as part of your entertainment to get away from life can make you so miserable. Think about it. I mean, how miserable are people after that Gillespie home run? In the playoffs, so that's the thing. You know, I go again. Um, if you want to call in, I got a, a couple of more minutes here. Six four six seven one six eight one eight seven. There was a name that a gentleman brought up, Tom Murphy, a catcher for the Rockies last time, and he talked about the Mets acquiring him. I don't know why a third round pick the Rockies would trade, but here's a guy with power. Uh, seems to be. I don't know how he is in terms of game calling, and, and I don't know if that matters anymore. There's like benches call games, but. Uh, framing and things like that, but he seems to have a good arm and throwing at a high percentage rate of runners. That Tom Murphy was a, a, a I wanted to say because I didn't really have a chance to get into it before I wrapped up last sh- uh, last show, but that was an interesting um, an interesting suggestion. I just don't know why the Rockies give a third round pick who's a catcher. And uh, if you listen to uh, Joel, you know, was it John Hopper? Joe Sher- Sherman played a little game where the Mets rosters will be in. In a couple of years, they, you know, it seems like a lot of people are higher on Nitto. But everybody, everybody's a copycat. You know, the prospect guys get on Nitto in the summer, and all of a sudden the mainstream gets on it. So, so um, you know, we'll see what happens on there. Mets man of the year, Daniel M. from The Void, LGM. Mets man of the year, Michael Conforto. Start of the year, he looked like a candidate for MVP award and couldn't hit, leaving everyone wondering what happened. If we get back to where he wasn't able. That's interesting. Not one of you has said Cespedes. Not one. And maybe because I said at the beginning that's the obvious. But really, if you if you said Cespedes was your man of the year, how can you argue about how the the January signing, how much buzz that created, how important he is for the offense, how bad they played when he was out, how euphoric everybody is when they re-signed him again. I mean, how many times did the Mets sign the same free agent twice in a year? Never. It's a joke that Alderson made. So anybody wants to throw another comment here, shoot it back to the top. Cespedes and Hashberry, good a good quote. Cespedes gets golf for the year. Yeah, I like that. So six four six seven one six eight one eight seven. All right, last uh, segment. Let me uh, let me wrap up. Take a quick break and final thoughts. Right after this. Now Cespedes is two for four tonight. Best candidate for ending the game on one swing. He oh. tries one. Deep left center toward the wall. That is out of here. Cespedes wins it with a home run. And when the Mets needed one big swing, Cespedes provided it, and the Mets win two to one in ten.
We're back, Talking Mets Podcast, final segment. And um, we'll take some comments, 646-716-8187. We'll see what you guys have to... Uh... Let's see, DK of Gotham, Mike Silva, Man of the Year. Well, I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm Man of the Year. Hopefully I'm a, a, a good contributor to the community, and I hope you enjoy it. And one of the things I wanted to do with this... Um, podcast and what I was um, trying to do with these call-ins was to kind of get you guys engaged maybe in the podcast if you were resistant before because maybe you're not like listening. I, I saw comments, well, I don't really have time to listen to a podcast. Hey, that's fine. I mean, that's that's part of it. But I was just interested to see, you know, maybe this interaction to give you a taste of who I am, what I think, and some of the things going on. But uh, anyway, I want to wrap up here. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this hour and a half, 90-minute podcast. I really appreciated the phone calls. I really enjoyed the comments. It's a new dynamic. Uh, we're going to do it again before the off season is up. We'll do it in spring training. And, uh, you know, if you want to send me uh, uh, an email, you can get me either at – I, I saw that I was laughing. Some people made fun that I have an AOL address. You can give me msilva126 at AOL.com, or you can use the same msilva126 at gmail.com. I have no problem with you emailing me at either one of those places. And uh, we're going to be off for the next couple of weeks. If there is a move of some significance, I'll definitely do something, not live, but something. And then January brings uh, more baseball talk. And it's, I'm really, you know, one of the things I would like to do is when the Hall of Fame situation comes around, maybe we'll do something like this again. I'm going to try to get a great guest for the Hall of Fame show. I have a lot of opinions on the Hall of Fame. I, I teased a little bit of that with Bud Selig and some of the comments I made earlier. I had to really get that off my chest. I'm not a Bud Selig fan. And, um, you know, we could talk more about that at that point. But uh, anyway, we're out of time. Uh, if you want to check out the show, keep going to MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet. You can get me on iCloud. Send me a tweet at, at Mike Silva Media. You can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Have a great Christmas, Hanukkah, holiday, New Year. Enjoy yourself over the next couple of weeks. If there's no moves to be had, I will see you in 2017. Take care of yourselves, guys. It's been fun. Have a great night.
Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.